Good morning. Morning, morning. <laughs> Lovely to see you all. Uh, thank you for coming out this morning uh, to worship. A warm welcome to you if you're here uh, in church, in the, in the physical space with us. A uh, warm welcome if you're joining us through a screen. We're delighted that you're with us. And our prayer, as always, is that you will sense the presence of the risen Jesus as we worship together. Our call to worship comes from Paul's letter to the Colossian church. When I find the right bit. Fifteen over the page. There we are. No, that's wrong. (laughs) I know. No, that's fine. Yeah, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There we are. Since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Alleluia. Amen. So we will stand, if we're able, and sing together our first song. And if you've brought gifts for harvest during this song, if you could bring them up and leave them just down to my left here, that would be very, very helpful. So if you're able, please stand and we'll sing together. This I believe. I believe in God our Father, 
I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus, in life eternal, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's always good, Lord, to begin by stating clearly what we believe. And what we've been singing is exactly that. It is what we believe. And we're so thankful that you care for us. So thankful that the name that you want to be known by, now above all names, is Father. And it is so important for us to know that there is a Father in heaven that cares so very much for us. We face all sorts of things. And without knowing that there is a loving Heavenly Father, so much of that would be so much more difficult. We thank you that you made a way for us back to you. Even though we'd run away and we decided we wanted nothing to do with you, you decided that you would make a way. And then you just offer that option, that route for all those that want it. And for those of us that have found the truth in Jesus, it means everything to us. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to you for your willingness to be obedient to your Father's will, for coming to the earth, for living among us, for showing us how to live, 
for teaching such wonderful, timeless truths. Holy Spirit, we're thankful to you for that day when you spoke to us so tenderly, so gently, and said, Jesus on the cross is all that you need. When we come into the presence of your holiness, Lord, we become very aware of our own shortcomings, and we're sorry, truly sorry, for the things that we've said or done or even thought that have brought no glory to your name. And if they were to be known, those things, they would bring shame to us. We won't waste time trying to hide them. We won't waste time trying to hide from you. We just come openly, expressing our confession and repentance before your throne. And thank you for your word, which tells us that when we come in this way, you are righteous and just, and that you will forgive us all of our wrongdoing. So we rely and depend on your mercy and are thankful for the opportunity to be picked up, dusted off, and set on our way once again. So renew us, refresh us, we pray, and help us to be all that you would want us to be. Amen. Amen. Well, it says farewell from Kevin and Angie, so farewell. <laughs> we're, it, we're almost there. Um, we're near the end. We're near the end. And it's, uh, it's not just the end of my time with you. Uh, it's the end of my time as uh, a minister in full-time Christian service. Uh, and it's 35 years. It's a long time. Uh, I'm grateful to those of you, and someone said it this morning, who said, wow, you don't look old enough to retire. It is a terrible curse looking as young as this, but I will bear it with fortitude. Uh, I mean, Angie has followed me around for years and years. I mean, when we first met, I was at the beginning of exploring a call to ministry, and God just showed her what it would mean for her and she still took the route. <laughs> I am so thankful to you. God has been good to us, very good to us, down through the years. Uh, we've never worried, have we, about anything in terms of our own life, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. You know, all that stuff that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Our lives actually have underlined the truth of that. God is faithful and true to his word. And if he calls you to something, he will enable you and he will equip you. Uh, so, you know, I, I look back over a life, a working life, which has been rich and fruitful. Uh, I've been very fortunate to see people at different times in their lives, times of significance, um, when babies are born, when people want to get married, when people die. And these are all very significant times. And I've been fortunate and privileged, as I say, to be alongside any number of people 
at various points in that journey. And it, it has always amazed me that God has done stuff for people when they have wanted it. They haven't always realized that they have wanted it, but God has always done that. What is there for us in the future? Lots of people have said, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I've got a number of hobbies, as you know, that I enjoy. Um, Some of you know that I brew beer. I intend to continue to do that. Uh, I collect toy soldiers, make toy soldiers, paint toy soldiers, play with toy soldiers. I intend to continue to do that. Um, We'll need to find a network of people to belong to. Angie is recommending the U3A, University of the Third Age. Uh, So we'll have a little look at that when we move. There will be a church somewhere. But I'm going to stay out of the way for quite some time because any minister would not want me in their congregation immediately after stopping doing this because I will be sitting where you're sitting thinking, oh dear, not doing that very well. I'd have done that differently. Not good. So I need to stay out of the way for a little while and then when I've got all of that out my system, then we'll find somewhere and we'll make a spiritual home Uh, and I'll try and be a support and a help to the minister who's in that place. So, have we got a place to go to? Yes, we have. Um, We're in the process of buying a property with the Retired Baptist Minister's Housing Organisation. It is in Kettering, which is a surprise because we thought we'd be going down to Dorset. But who knows what God is going to do? We still firmly believe that God has a plan and a purpose. So who knows where we're going to... Well, we know where we're going to be. Who knows what we're going to be doing? We don't know that yet. But somewhere in and around Kettering, Northamptonshire, we think. Thank you for your prayers and for your practical help. All of this on Sunday just sort of rolls on, doesn't it? And it all works really nicely. Uh, And I'd love to say that was all down to me, but it's not. (laughs) Uh, I do part of it, but there are lots of people that do all sorts of stuff around the edges. And what they do makes me look really good. So I'm very thankful to all of you. They tend to sit in that corner over there. So just, you know, whenever you come into church, just notice who is sitting in the corner. That has been my technical support for this particular service. Uh, And there are others dotted around the congregation as well. Not least the person who does sound. What a powerful person you are. (laughs) I could disappear. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Very easy for me to just disappear and you not know what's going on. Uh, and for me not to know either. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm thankful to all of you, uh, to deacons past and present, for all the conversations that we've had uh, within that forum. For all of you, when I first came, I came and visited all of you. And I asked those awkward questions, didn't I? How are things between you and God? 
What are you reading? Do you read? What are you reading at the minute? What excites you about being a Christian? What's your prayer life like? And you bore all of that with good grace. And most of you, I think, were quite honest. And it helped me enormously to know where you were in terms of your Christian walk. And it stopped me from asking you to do too many daft things. I hope we've grown together over the time that I've been here. Uh, I've loved all of it. It has been a real joy. Um, Not least uh, the baptismal classes and what a joy that was last week to baptise you, Magdala. Thank you for asking and for finding me before I went. Uh, And for all of the occasional offices, really, the baptisms, uh, weddings we've not done here, funerals, We've done many. No surprise there. But again, it has been a real privilege and an honour to be able to assist as people have come to the end of their lives and beyond. I think that will do. Farewell. Those of you that come in later, I'll see you later. Right, your turn now. So a few, a few words from me. Yes, I am on. Whoever's on phone, I can't remember. <laughs> um, so Robert's film night last weekend, probably not where you thought me I would start no. saying farewell. Um, but at Robert's film night last weekend, he has a quiz in the interval. And people work to get the answers to the quiz. And at the end, he says, so who got you know, over 10, who, and people sort of shamefacedly quote. And he asked Kevin and Angie, who are really good at that, and Angie said, we're a team. And you know what? That is absolutely right. Look at that photo. That was taken on Friday at Eric's funeral, and we're really thrilled, Eric's family, that you're here with us this morning as we say goodbye to Kevin. Um, so Angie, I would like to invite you up here as well. I'm going to have to stand up. So you are. So we, I've got a few words to say, some of which will touch on what um, what you've already alluded to, Kevin. But you know, we we are really pleased that you are here and that you've reached this point in your lives together, both personally and in ministry. Am I in the right place for this? Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> So this isn't just goodbye from us, but it's a real celebration of your 35 years in full-time ministry and five years before that as a a lay preacher. So your first pastorate was Burwell Baptist Church in Cambridgeshire, and uh, after five years there, you moved to Shirley Baptist Church in Solihull, there for 13 years. And then what you would probably describe as your niche slot, I would think, as army padre um, for, for, t- for 12 years. And, and you saw some difficult sights in that time, and that had consequences in your home life as well, I know. Um, so, but God was faithful to you both, and he, he brought you through. Um, and then in 2017, you came to us here. And I really regret that we didn't experience the long-haired motorbiking <laughs> minister that those other churches saw. Why did we not see that? So by the time you got here, 
you traded in that motorbike, and okay, you got an open top for vertical, quite classy, but Thank you know, you. not quite the same. No, so, uh, but you did show us a photograph okay. once, okay. so um, I should have nicked it to show show again, <laughs> shouldn't I? So, and we all enjoyed those visits on your arrival, get, getting to know you, talking about our faith, talking about our journeys. Um, that that was good. And then, sadly, we were all sideswiped, weren't we? Um, all of us by the um, COVID pandemic. And we sort of lost that time a bit, but we adapted as best we could. You were very quickly online, um, helping us get through that time. Um, so we won't dwell on that, um, but thank you for all you did in that time to keep things going. Um, not, not easy at all, but now we're back. We're, we're back in the building. We're back worshiping in new ways. Um, on Zoom. Who'd ever heard of Zoom before any of the pandemic happened? Um, so thank you for adapting to that. And so we've journeyed these last five years together. You are now part of Spurgeon's history. And we are part of your life story too. And that doesn't change. That, that carries on. Um, so as we come to this auspicious moment, um, we want to thank you for the impact of your ministry th down through the years, the many lives you've touched, the people you've brought to faith, the people you've had the privilege to baptize and marry, and for the comfort you've given to those who mourned. Thank you. So we want to wish you the happiest of retirements <laughs> and enthusiasm for all that lies ahead and God's every blessing on you in this new phase of your life. So we have, we, we are gifting Kevin and Angie some leave to enable him to have all of October off. <laughs> Fantastic. And we've got just a, a, a little token of our um, appreciation. This, sorry, I'm walking away from the microphone. Um, we have a book token to oh, give you, which we know you wow. will enjoy. Um, and some flowers. Angie, probably you will enjoy those, which, um, flowers, Zoom. <laughs> And a card, sorry, sorry, moving around, a, just a small card to wish you happy retirement, Kevin, from all of us here. And we do wish you very, very well. Thank you very much. Thank you. I just want to say, while I'm here, it's Harvest Sunday. We've got Harvest Tea later. Um, and if anyone wants to speak to me about joining that, if you, if you haven't already booked, just have a word. But can we just say thank you to all our flower arrangers? Because doesn't the church yeah, look amazing? So thank you very much, flower arrangers. You've got to come back again, darling. <laughs> right, you ready? Come on then. Time again, I'll change my glasses so I can actually see the words. Right, so today's reading is from Acts chapter 10, verses 9. 
Peter's vision. About noon the following day, as they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Peter's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Thank you. Excellent. So we'll sing together once again. If you're able, please stand as we sing Build Your Kingdom Here. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets. 
hills and land sets your church on fire with this nation back change the atmosphere build your kingdom here we pray unleash your kingdom's power reaching the near and far voice of hell can stop your beauty changing hearts you made us for much more than this awake the kingdom seed in us fill us with the strength and love of Christ we are your church we are the hope on earth kingdom here let the darkness fear show your mighty hand heal our streets and land set your church on fire with this nation back take the atmosphere build the kingdom here we pray the darkness here. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land, set your church on fire with this nation back. Just the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. together. Once again, Lord, we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Now, if you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. Amen. So we come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. What a week it has been, Lord. We began with the funeral of a beloved sovereign, the Queen. And our hearts go out to the royal family to King Charles as he is now and his sister and brothers children, grandchildren so many who were affected and so many around the country who were also affected reminded uh, of their own loss by the loss of the Queen and indeed for us here our dear friend Eric We thank you that we were able to say goodbye properly to him. 
and thank you for all that he did while he was among us. And we recounted all of that on Friday. We pray for all who are missing him, all who mourn for him. We pray for all those who are ill and are maybe coming towards the end of life. Think particularly of Ken and ask that he might know your peace in these days. Draw near to him and to Jackie and indeed to all those who love him. May they know the touch of your hand right now. May they be conscious of your presence with them. We have a new government in our land. It's almost past unseen. And yet there are new ministers everywhere and they're all coming to grips with the work that their ministries do and needing to come to grips with what they need to do in order to carry out uh, what is now uh, policy for our country. So we pray for our new Prime Minister and her Cabinet. We pray, Father, that there will be significant wisdom around that table. We know that there's a lot that needs to be done, and it's way above our pay grade. The only thing we can do is what we're doing now, which is pray for them. Pray that good sense will prevail. That the people that have been chosen will be women and men of good character and sound judgment. And we pray, Father, for all those that are advising them and ask that they might also be wise. We hope for a settled and peaceful and secure existence. And we pray that that is what will happen as a result of this new government taking office. There are difficulties in our land, the cost of living crisis, tensions in Leicester, uh, which are being stirred by religious difference. We know that would not be your hope We know that that would not be your plan. So somehow we want you to intervene. We want to be a peaceful and a prosperous nation. And what we would like for ourselves, we would like to see all around the world. And we know that that is not the case. There are difficulties in Iran. There are difficulties in Pakistan. There are still major, major difficulties with Ukraine and Russia, although things are changing. We don't know how these things will be resolved, but we do know that you are interested. We do know that you want your people to be engaged. And we know that our sisters and brothers in Ukraine certainly are. So we thank you for them and for their witness. We pray that you will continue to give them boldness and courage as they seek to witness to the truth that Jesus is alive and that lives can be changed for the better because of him. 
We pray that many in Ukraine will discover faith in you, even in the midst of their difficulty. We pray that there might be a great harvest of souls in that place and all around the world because your people are obedient to your calling and obedient to your will. Draw near and help us with all of this, we pray. In the glorious name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We sing together a song about the resurrection, about Easter morning in fact. See what a morning. If you're able, please stand as we sing together.
So, what sort of church, what kind of church do we want to be? The reading that we had earlier actually poses a very similar question for Peter as was posed for Saul of Tarsus as he was on the road to Damascus and came face to face with the risen Jesus in that vision that he had of the blinding light. Um, Cornelius, a God-fearing Roman centurion, is wondering about God and what is to come for him and for his whole household. How will they get close to this God? And while he is praying, he is told to send for a man called Peter, who is staying uh, at a tanner's house in Joppa. And we pick up the story about noon the following day, uh, where Peter uh, is to be found. And it's approaching lunchtime, and he's hungry. And he goes up on the roof to pray. And as he is praying, he sees this vision of a sheet being lowered with all sorts of animals in it. Now, these are animals that are not uh, the sort of animals that any God-fearing Jewish man would want to eat. They're all prohibited in the law of Moses. You can't eat these things. Now, there could be any number of reasons for that. But not least the fact that, you know, this is a hot country and some of the stuff wouldn't keep very well, so you couldn't keep it long. And uh, you might end up with something very, very significantly bad happening if you were to eat this stuff. Uh, But anyway, for whatever reason, you're not supposed to eat this. And everything that is in that sheet is on that list of prohibited foodstuffs. You may not eat this. And they're all there. And a voice is ringing in his head. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I've never done anything like that. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then the voice comes a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then the sheet disappears. Get up, kill and eat. All this stuff ritually unclean, according to Jewish law and tradition. Peter is now devoted to Jesus. He has a new relationship with God through his friend Jesus. But his model for religion is still Jewish. He knows that Jesus was Jewish. He knows that everything that Jesus did was in order to fulfill that law. And Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill it in every respect. So his model is still Jewish, but he's challenged to think in a very new way. It is a radically new way, and it's very, very difficult to get your head around. Suddenly, all the things that you have known, all the things that you have believed to be uh, foundational for your religion are called into question. Well, not quite all of them, but the way in which you express that religion, the way in which you live that religion is called into question. And suddenly, things that you thought you couldn't do, well, you might be able to do. And is this safe? I mean, that's always the question, isn't it? Is it safe to do this? Can we do it? Should we do it? 
Peter is being challenged to change his thinking. It's what happened to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. What models do we have here in Spurgeon, Bletchley, for being the church? What models do we have here for doing church, if we can use that word? What models do non-Christians have for church? Well, you, you can find that out, that out easily enough. Um, those of you that uh, still have non-Christian friends, they'll tell you. They'll tell you what the church is like. It's boring, dull, irrelevant, full of hypocrites, all old people. Oh dear, that's not far out actually, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not all, all. We know it's not. We know it. We know it's not. But you know, we we start on the back foot very often, which is why I've been saying to you for all the time I've been here. You know, it, it is very important that we live in the right way. Witnessing to the risen Jesus is not hard. You just have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbours yourself. Those are the two handrails that I've put before you in all the time that I've been here. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing that to encourage you to try to live like that. Because it is easy enough to do. The, the difficulties come when you want to try and introduce Jesus into the conversation. Because that's when you, be, you, you change from being those lovely kind people that are helpful to being those strange religious nutters at that point. Uh, and it, it's, you have to build the relationship first and then you sort of have the right to speak about Jesus. And you won't be those strange religious nutters because people know you and they love you and they actually respect the way that you live because they have watched it over a long period of time. And they have come to realize that the things that you say and the way that you live actually line up properly. So you are not a hypocrite. You actually are trying to live in the right way. Uh, and that goes a long way to helping when it comes to introducing Jesus into the conversation. I think there are profound challenges for the church, for the church in its widest expression, and for the church here in this local expression. What will the church look like? Uh, we're already seeing some significant changes, and we have done over a period of probably 15, 20 years. Um, denominational allegiance is less important than it used to be. People are now looking for a theological label very often rather than a, a denominational one. Or they're looking for a style of worship or they're looking for a style of churchmanship. And I think new theological alliances are being born. I think you know, there's a very strong alliance in this church across two, well, what could be quite different groups of people. An Anglican understanding of Christianity and a Baptist understanding of Christianity. But there are very strong links across the two. Uh, there always have been. There, that is really an interesting thing to look at. 
it's an interesting thing to think about in this place. And I hope whoever comes next uh, is able to do that and to capitalise on what is undoubtedly a strength in this place. Uh, What will mission look like? Well, there's all sorts of possibilities. Um, We've, you know, traditionally Baptists have been quite good at going out and getting hold of people and introducing them to Jesus. But we've rather depended on people coming into a building a lot of the time for that. I think there'll be more going out uh, as time unfolds. Uh, I think we will need to look for uh, opportunities to go out uh, and to try and affect the lives of folk where they live and how they are living now. And the stuff that St. Friedswise are exploring with community organising I think could be a very significant thread in that uh, and that may be something for you as a church to consider as you go forward. Deacons, church secretary, little note mentally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm going and I'm giving you work to do. Brilliant. Um, it is something that I would certainly want to have wanted to explore a little more fully if I were remaining among you. Uh, cooperation, not competition, is going to be the watchword. And again, one can see that here in this place. It is a key indicator that God is among us. There is cooperation across the two groups. And that is only going to continue to grow and develop, I think, as time goes on. Um, Mission is definitely relational. I was saying earlier, you know, very often the models that we've had have been come, come to us, come to something that we are doing. People will only do that if you bring them, you, the people that they know, the people that they trust, They will come if you say, I am going to something at our church. Would you like to come with me? And they will, because they know you, and they love you, and they trust you. And you wouldn't do anything to harm them or to make them look foolish. Uh, I think mission probably is going to be holistic. It's going to have more to do with looking at the whole of a person's life rather than just seeking souls to be saved so again I think the work that is going on to try and uh, help the whole sort of Lakes Estate uh, stuff that really St. Francois is leading on but they are very generous and they want us to be engaged as well and interested Uh, and if anybody is they will help you get hold of all of that Um, that's one thing that's going on but again loving people for their own sake That is the key to all of this. You know, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbours as yourself. And it's the loving neighbour piece that is difficult. And it's in that place, I think, that we will need to think differently. Because we tend to be largely amongst people that are like we are. And they share all the things that we share. And they share all the strangeness that we share. And we are quite strange not well yes you are I mean for example like me you've all got 11 fingers and thumbs yes you have I will show you are you ready 10 9 8 7 6 
verse 5. Are you still awake out there? We're all the same. Uh, and we, we are drawn to people that are like us. So I, I wonder what would happen if someone who is not like us were to come into church. How might they be perceived? How might they be welcomed? How might they be encouraged? Um, I was having that conversation with somebody a little while ago who was thinking about where might they go to church. They've been to lots of different churches. They knew lots of churches. Uh, and they were beginning to sense maybe it was time to find a place to be. And I just said to them, well, when you, when you are you know, traveling around and seeing all of these different places, when you go through the door, just say to God, is this the sort of place that I could be comfortable? Is this the sort of place where I could be committed? Is this the sort of place where I could serve and make a difference? But more than anything, ask yourself, am I welcome here? And if the answer to that last question is yes, well, you should go there, really. It'd be nice if it was our church, wouldn't it? I think mission is going to be developmental as well. Um, I think you will be continually need to be alive and alert to all sorts of possibility that might come your way. Um, and I do think you'll, you'll need to be strategic. You'll need to look at all the good things that people think we should be engaged with and involved with. And you should ask yourself the question, where does that fit into us trying to grow the church. And, uh, and I gave you a tool for that. Sowing, reaping, keeping. You know, that was my second year among you when we were doing mission audits and looking at everything that we were doing and how does that fit in that grid. So I think that's a useful thing, maybe, uh, for you to retain and use from time to time. Peter is challenged in that vision. And, of course, how is God going to speak to us? Please, God, from time to time, it's through a sermon. <laughs> uh, otherwise, why am I bothering? Um, but also, when you are reading your Bibles, when you are praying, when you are thinking, when you are reflecting, when you are dreaming, what is God saying? How is he going to approach you? What is the best way for God to use with you to get through to you? And when he does get through to you, how willing are you to change your mind to change your way of thinking so that those who are not like us might be welcome. So that a, a breadth of experience might come into the church. So that we'll have new people of all ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, groups. What might we need to change? Lots of questions, aren't there? Kevin, what are the answers? I don't know. And it's not for me to say now. It's not for me even to try and steer you now. It is for you together, talking and listening, praying and reflecting. It is for you together to discover and discern that. There's a church meeting tomorrow night. More church members chance for you to start the process it's an interesting time to be in this church really interesting 
we are sorry to be leaving you, but it is necessary for me to go so that you can grow on to the next thing. Peter allows the possibility of new things. He commits himself to a new strategy, and as a result, Cornelius, a Gentile whom Peter would never have entertained, and all of his household become Christians. It is not all plain sailing. Peter will need to be reminded some time into the future that God is greater than his understanding. Acts chapter 15, if you want to read on. Um, The church can embrace more than his ethnic group. We will all need reminding from time to time that it's not just us that God is interested in, but everybody, everywhere. And you've got a part to play in seeing that they know about that. That's quite enough from me. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for all of your love and goodness to us. Thank you for your word and for all that it teaches us. Thank you for the brief piece that we've looked at today and for our thinking and reflecting around it. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak to my friends here. There's a great future in this place if they will be brave and grasp what you're putting in front of them. Give them courage and boldness in these days, I pray. May they know that they are in step with your spirit. Draw near to them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our closing song together, and it's a song uh, of commitment, really. Uh, It's a question that God asks us. Uh, So if you're able, please stand as we sing, Will You Come and Follow Me? follow me if I but call your name will you go where you don't know and never be the same will you let my love be shown will you let my dream be known will you let my life be grown in you and you in me leave yourself behind if I but call your name Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare, should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Will you leave your mind to see if I would call your name? Will you set the prisoner free and never be the same? Will you kiss the leper clean and do such as this unseen and admit to what I mean in you and you in me? Will you leave the evil you hide if I would call your name? Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use 
is the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you in me. The summons echoes true when you can call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you in me. Now may the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.